From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is a special episode of Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. For the fourth time in as many months, Donald Trump was arrested on felony charges, this time in Fulton County for his role in the failed attempt to overturn the 2020 election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election, and I should have every right to do that. For the first time, we have a booking photo of the former president, a mugshot that looks just as defiant as his words and actions were after the vote counts showed his defeat. His brief visit to the Fulton County Jail on Thursday overshadowed the week before, where Republican challengers were in Buckhead pitching their place in a hypothetical world where Trump was neither running for president or the runaway favorite to win a third nomination. The gathering, hosted by Georgia-based radio personality Eric Erickson, saw six Republican presidential hopefuls show up and have substantive conversations about how they would run the country if elected. We've got six presidential candidates two governors, two senators, two members of Congress. I want to ask them about policy questions. A few days later, eight candidates not named Trump took the debate stage in Milwaukee in a chaotic affair that saw plenty of attacks on candidates not named Trump, illustrating the uphill climb any of them faced to mount a competitive challenge to the former president. So the reality make America is America less safe. You have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you already have shows in the pointless wars we've gotten into. On this episode, we look at Trump's Georgia arrest and his arresting hold over the GOP primary. In the ballroom of the Grand Hyatt in Buckhead, just a few miles up the road from the Fulton County Courthouse, where just a few days earlier, a grand jury handed up racketeering indictments against Donald Trump and 18 others, conservative radio host Eric Erickson opened the gathering conference by explaining what not to expect over the weekend. The former president isn't going to be here. Uh, And, you know, with all respect to him, it kind of works out because under Georgia law, if he were to come, they would... Like, you know what the DA would want to do. And um, so it, it, it works out to his benefit. But I don't want to ask the candidates all day and tomorrow about him. After Trump's 2020 election defeat, his attempts to reverse it, followed by a years-long effort to punish Republicans who did not go along with the false narrative, there is a sizable slice of the Republican electorate ready to move on. Unlike the sprawling chaos at the Iowa State Fair or intimate retail stops in New Hampshire, the gathering was an opportunity to hear in-depth policy points from non-Trump presidential contenders spurred through 45-minute question and answer sessions hosted by Erickson. The number one question in the, from the crowd is military preparedness. Uh, lots of questions about finances and the economy and what to do with the banks, um, the regional banking versus the national banking situation. I don't know the answers to those questions from any of the candidates because all the media asked them about is, is what do you think about uh, the indictments? Uh, and so today is the day to actually have six presidential candidates today and tomorrow and ask them about their policies, their visions. Senator Tim Scott, former Vice President Mike Pence, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy had the opportunity to wow conservative voters with their plans for America. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, Uh, that's the last thing they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. 
Indeed, there was discussion about immigration and the U.S.-Mexico border, education policy, foreign policy and the military, among other topics important to Republican primary voters. But despite the intentions to create a space for a post-Trump future, the reality is that Trump is polling above 50% nationally. The large and fractured field has prevented any one challenger from gaining traction, and most candidates still have an unwillingness to highlight Trump's legal woes or differentiate themselves from his policy stances. The strongest condemnation of Trumpism's obsession with the 2020 election results came from Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who managed to crush a Trump-backed primary challenger and former Senator David Perdue, cruise to re-election against Democrat Stacey Abrams, and maintain conservative bona fides and policies less befitting a battleground state. You can believe whatever you want about the 2020 election. That is your right. I understand that. I have no problem with that. But the thing is, that was three years ago. And if you're still mad about that, quit complaining about that. Sign up to be a poll worker, be a poll watcher, get involved in the process, door knock, phone call. Be, do something that will help us win in 2024. Complaining is not going to help us win. He laid out the stakes for next year by pulling a pencil out of his pocket. So it's a number two yellow pencil with an eraser. And if you do not win, you do not get to hold a pencil. And right now, Biden's holding the pencil. They're holding the pencil for the regulatory environment, whether it's at the you know, Federal Trade Commission, at EPA, at the Justice Department, at the FBI, and they are pencil whipping the American people right now. And we have to stay focused on winning the pencil back, because then we can use the eraser to get rid of all the bad things. The only two candidates who seem to take note of Kemp's message and remotely address Trump's indictments over the 2020 election as anything other than a witch hunt or weaponization of justice are also two viewed least favorably by the GOP primary electorate. Pence, who faced public and private pressure from Trump to reject electoral college votes from key states including Georgia, has recently leaned into his refusal to overturn the 2020 election in making the argument for his campaign. You know, I always stood loyally by President Donald Trump until my oath to the Constitution required me to do otherwise. But my differences with the president go far beyond that fateful day. And I hope to have a chance to debate him with him. Sometimes people ask me, how do you envision debating Donald Trump? And I say, I've debated Donald Trump a thousand times, just, <laughs> just not with the cameras on. But even then... Look, I'll always be proud of the record of the Trump-Pence administration. I'm proud of what we accomplished with the strong support of the people of Georgia. The strength in our military to secure our border. Those, And I'm probably more proud of the fact that we appointed three of the justices to the Supreme Court who sent Roe versus Wade to the ash heap of history where it belonged. Chris Christie, a former federal prosecutor, was the only one with harsh words for Trump's four felony indictments and its effect on Republicans. So whether you believe in the criminal prosecutions or you don't, two things. One, they're real, and there's something politically we're going to have to deal with, and two, his conduct is reprehensible. It doesn't matter whether it's criminal or not. On January 6th, I don't care, quite frankly, whether he's held criminally responsible or not. He's morally responsible. 
for what happened on January 6th. Christie called Trump a coward for planning to not show up to the Republican primary debates, hypothesized he couldn't win Georgia in November 2024, and rejected calls to have Trump removed from the ballot for his post-2020 actions. And I want the voters to decide this. The only way the voters of our party and the voters of the country more broadly will accept results is if they believe um, that it's fair. And he's, Donald Trump's made himself a candidate for president under the most ridiculous circumstances I've ever seen in my life. There's nothing more selfish than what he's doing. He's been charged with four different crimes, and yet he still persists in insisting that he has to be a candidate for president. Um, I don't think you would have seen George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or Abraham Lincoln be charged with those crimes, but if they had, they certainly wouldn't have run. It's also important to note that Christie played important roles in Trump's first two campaigns and provided support and legitimacy for the then-political outsider's run for office, something he doesn't apologize for but says things changed when Trump refused to accept defeat. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Vivek Ramaswamy, a wealthy former pharmaceutical executive and newcomer to politics, who appears to be running to defeat Trump by praising him and emulating his populist rhetoric and tendencies. During the gathering, he received the most applause of any candidate for lines like this one. Do you want incremental reform? Or do you want revolution? I stand on the side of the American Revolution. I stand on the side of reviving those 1776 ideals that set this nation into motion. Vivek argues there are two different theories of national unity. One is that we show up in the middle. We reach compromise, hold hands with our friends on the other side, bridge over our differences by compromising, meet in the middle, sing kumbaya and move on. I I don't believe in that model of national unity. I think the way we get to national unity is by actually embracing the radicalism, the extremism of the American founding ideals themselves. Speaking to reporters after a session, he blasted Trump's indictments in Georgia. So I think that these indictments are a disaster for the country. I think they set a dangerous precedent for the ruling party to use police force in the middle of an election against political opponents. That's not justice. That is the politicization of justice. And I say this as somebody who just look at the polls that have come out in the last 24 hours. I'm polling second in many of these national polls. It would be easier for me if Trump were eliminated from competition. In all, the gathering served as an interesting thought experiment about what could be Republicans' future, but without any accounting for Trump's sway over the party. After the break, we look at the chaotic first Republican primary debate a few days later, where some candidates had their 15 minutes of breakthrough moments that quickly faded once Trump entered the Fulton County Jail. DBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. 
You're listening to Battleground Ballot Box from Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Fowler, and we're discussing a week of Republican presidential politics that saw Trump's rivals constantly get overshadowed by the former president, concluding with his surrender in Fulton County. Some call it the heartland. Others flyover country. But for the 2024 presidential hopefuls, the Midwest is the place to land. Here, there is one battleground that may be harder to win than ever, Wisconsin. Just a few days after the gathering in Atlanta, eight Republicans took the stage in Milwaukee for the first presidential primary debate without Trump in the first big opportunity for a broad number of voters to hear from them. This is the very same stage on which the Republican choice for president will accept the party's nomination next summer. The eight contenders are positioned by the order they sit in the polls, with the highest polling candidates in the middle standing center stage. The two non-Trump frontrunners, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, stood center stage with longshot hopefuls former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum at the end. There were standout moments in the debate, like when former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley spoke about abortion. We need to stop demonizing this issue. This is talking about the fact that unelected justices didn't need to decide something this personal because it's personal for every woman and man. Now it's been put in the hands of the people. That's great. When it comes to a federal ban, let's be honest with the American people and say it will take 60 Senate votes. It will take a majority of the House. So in order to do that, let's find consensus and a viral moment attacking Vivek Ramaswamy, who drew constant fire from other candidates having surged in the polls where they have not. Under your watch, so you will make America is, less safe. You have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you all have shows in the pointless wars we've gotten into. I progress that. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who has seen his polling numbers plummet, repeated a line he's used on the trail dealing with the U.S.-Mexico border and drug traffickers. I'm not going to send troops to Ukraine, but I am going to send them to our southern border. When these drug pushers are bringing fentanyl across the border, that's going to be the last thing they do. We're going to use force and we're going to leave them stone cold dead. We're actually going to move on to China. But for our purposes of understanding the state of the party and the primary, the most important exchange happened when Trump was directly mentioned by the moderators. Former President Trump has been indicted in four different states on 91 counts. He will be processed tomorrow in Georgia at the Fulton County Jail for charges relating to the 2020 election loss. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Only Vivek Ramaswamy immediately raised his hand. Then slowly, almost all the other candidates on stage sheepishly raised theirs, with DeSantis looking back and forth at his fellow conservatives before joining them. Much like at the gathering, Chris Christie had the opportunity to eviscerate Trump's actions in the aftermath of 2020, and Ramaswamy rushed to defend Trump. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. 
The debate didn't get as many eyeballs without Trump, who was busy enjoying a pre-taped interview with ousted Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Mr. President, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Why are you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me that, and many people said you shouldn't do them, but you see the polls have come out, and I'm leading by 50 and 60 points. And, you know, some of them are at one and zero and uh, two. And I'm saying, do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president? Should I be doing that? While dubious metrics on the social media site formerly known as Twitter indicated massive attention on this video, the reality was still far fewer eyeballs on him, though some eyebrow-raising moments from the broadcast leaked over into mainstream discussion. Do you think it's possible that Epstein was killed? Oh, sure, it's possible. I I mean, I don't really believe, I think he probably uh, committed suicide. He had a life with, you know, beautiful homes and beautiful everything. And he, uh, all of a sudden, he's incarcerated and not doing very well. I would say that he did. But there are those people, there are many people, I think you're one of them, right? But a lot of people think that he, uh, he was killed. He knew a lot on a lot of people. He was killed. One of the things I did with EPA is uh, you have states, many, many states, most of the states have so much water. You know, it comes out of heaven, right? The water pours down and you have it. It's there. It's got to go wherever it goes, into the oceans, whatever. It's not like a big problem. Now, in some states, they have a problem. You know, you have some desert areas and all, and for that, it's okay. But they have uh, sinks where no water comes out. You turn it on, no water comes out. No water comes out of the shower. No water is allowed to go into the washing machine for your dishes or for your clothing or what. And I avoided all of that. And you take a look at the Panama Canal, who was such, such an incredible engineering marvel. We sold it under Jimmy Carter. We sold it to Panama for $1. The following day, they quadrupled the amount of money that ships had to pay to get across. They didn't lose one ship, and now they've made it much bigger, and now they've widened it. They've doubled it, right? They've more than doubled it. And it's one of the most profitable things any time. It, it's, it's just incredible, right? We gave it away for $1. China now controls it. They actually control the Panama Canal. They run it. They control it. And we shouldn't let that happen. And of course, on the topic of indictments, Trump attacked them as political posturing. How do you do that? How do you get indicted, you know, every week and stay cheerful? I think it's a lot easier because I'm, I'm so high in the polls because it means the people get it. The people see it's a fraud. The people see it like this horrible district attorney from just a little while ago from essentially Atlanta, that's Fulton County. She said, basically, I don't have any right to challenge an election. Well, what about Stacey Abrams? What about Hillary Clinton? What about all of these Democrats that are still challenging my election? The same people that are saying he's challenging an election challenged my election. And they did it with slates. They did it with all sorts of things. They were very bad, very bad about it. Even though Donald Trump's attempted counter-programming didn't quite derail the already chaotic primary debate, his planned surrender at the Fulton County Jail certainly finished the job. 
A historic day in Georgia. There's never been anything like it in our country before. Former President Donald Trump defiant after surrendering on more than a dozen charges in Fulton County. Right now at the Fulton County Jail to surrender on charges related to his attempts to overturn the results of the 2020 election loss in Georgia. Trump will be fingerprinted and a mugshot will be taken. It is an image that will be seared into the history books. Donald Trump is the first former American president to have a mugshot after he surrendered at Atlanta's main jail on Thursday. Thursday evening, Trump arrived in Atlanta from his New Jersey estate to be processed mostly like every other criminal defendant at the Fulton County Jail, complete with fingerprints and a booking photo. Unlike most defendants, he was in and out in less than 30 minutes. His paperwork appeared to be filled out in advance, listing him at 6 foot 3 inches and 215 pounds, both self-reported numbers. The fourth time the former president has been arrested in as many months also marked a momentous occasion where it was the first mugshot he had to take, and the surreal image, once the official picture was released, dominated the airwaves. I mean, to see that image, Trump and his campaign once created a mugshot to use for fundraising material, and now there is actually a mugshot of the former president of the United States. In true Trump fashion, the surrender was scheduled during primetime, where breathless television coverage of his motorcade's every move was punctuated by brief comments before leaving the airport in Atlanta. I really believe this is a very sad day for America. This should never happen. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election, and I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you're going to have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. And in true Trump fashion, after surrendering to jail, he returned to X, formerly known as Twitter, following a two-year hiatus to post his mugshot with a caption, quote, election interference, never surrender. On the next episode of Battleground Ballot Box. The booking of the 19 co-defendants moves the sprawling RICO case into its next phase, promising to be even more complicated than sorting out charges and waiting for consent bond agreements. Some defendants like former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, former Department of Justice official Jeffrey Clark, and the three Republicans charged for falsely claiming to be official presidential electors for the state are seeking to move their case to federal court. Others are asking for a speedy trial that could start as early as October. We unpack what's happened and what's to come with the legal wrangling in the RICO case and how the indictments affect who Georgia could vote for and how those votes are counted. Battleground Ballot Box is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting and is produced by Chase McGee. Our engineer is Jake Cook, our editor is Josephine Bennett, and the theme music was created by me, Stephen Fowler. 
subscribe to our show at gpb.org/battleground or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you.